Welcome back to the Tank Me Later podcast, which is part of Fantasy Basketball International and brought to you by Fantrax. This is episode 45, and for this one, we're going to dive into some of the rookies from this past class and look at some advanced stats and just to see how good the class has been. So let's go ahead and get into it. And obviously there is a little bit of NBA news. I'm recording this on Tuesday afternoon. So just a few hours ago, Terry Rozier was traded uh, to the Heat for Kyle Lowry and a future first. Um, Obviously there is some pretty big fantasy implications uh, affecting both of those teams because of how much of a role uh, Rozier had been playing for Charlotte and how awesome of a season he had been having uh, as well as now, taking on a larger role with the heat, providing them with a lot of offense and then Charlotte losing out on a primary score, especially when LaMelo ball was out, he was playing uh, top 20 level basketball, um, at least from a fantasy perspective. So yeah, we'll get into because uh, there's really good rookies on both teams. We'll get into some of that impact a little later when we talk about how their rookie seasons have been going. Um, but for now, I don't think Kyle Lowry is somebody to add. I don't think that like Terry Rozier may take a slight hit, but I don't think he's going to drop off dramatically. Um, Tyler Hero is probably going to see less offensive looks, uh, less shots. So he may be impacted by Rozier. Um, obviously, with Terry gone, uh, Miles Bridges and Lamella will be even more primary options, even more so than they were. Um, we'll talk about Brandon Miller. We'll talk about Jaime Jaquez. Um, those are the main guys that I think will be dramatically impacted on both teams though. Yeah, that's probably it. So, uh, the other news is Tyrese Halliburton. I believe he's supposed to miss their next three games now with the hamstring injury after, uh, trying to come back from that. So that'll have him sitting out on. Tuesday against Denver, Thursday against Philadelphia, and Friday against Phoenix, uh, which means his next chance to play would be Sunday on January 28th. Um, So if you were planning on having him this week for fantasy, um, you probably don't unless he comes back Sunday. Uh, So TJ McConnell should be a really good option until Halliburton's back. Um, and Andrew Nimhard, I believe, let me, let me double check the injury report as I'm saying this, because I want to say that he is, he's questionable, uh, for tonight's game, which is Tuesday night's game against Denver. So he may also miss time, um, at least a game, but. He uh, he had also been starting. It's kind of weird. They've gone back and forth with TJ McConnell and Andrew Dimhart, but both guys should be really good options uh, until Halliburton's back. So now that I'm thinking about this, let me check because I think I may have actually dropped TJ McConnell. I did drop TJ McConnell because I thought he that okay. So I need to add TJ McConnell back. I'm gonna do that as. Uh, 
as I'm recording this, just because I need to make sure that I don't forget about that. And who am I going to drop? I think I have... Um, I'm going to drop Peyton Watson. Yeah, cool. Because I had only picked him up from the previous week and had been waiting on an opportunity to drop him. So, yeah, cool. All right, now that I'm caught back up and not distracted anymore, the other thing that happened was, and granted this doesn't really impact much, but Tristan Thompson will be suspended the next 25 games uh, for, what was the exact terminology? Let me... I believe it was me and just violating the anti-drug program that the league has in place. Um, Yeah. Shams Trania had the exact drugs that he tested positive for, but I'm not even going to try and pronounce um, the first one. Actually, maybe I will. I butamorin. I could be totally off on that. And SARM LGD4033. So interesting, but that has zero fantasy impact whatsoever. So we will move on and get to today's topic, which is um, some enticing rookie stats. So I mentioned that we will be talking about the guys that were drafted this past draft um, and how they've been playing so far. Obviously, there's been a lot of rookies that have been playing really well, providing solid numbers consistently or had some big games here and there or just worth talking about in the case of pretty much I think the only one that applies there is Scoot Henderson but everybody else that we're going to talk about has been playing really well um and obviously two generational rookies so I say this past draft class but it also includes Chet Holmgren Um, I'm going to go ahead and bring this slideshow up um just so I have the numbers on the board so the way this is going to work is for the most part and I believe this, again, just doesn't apply for Scoot. It'll be looking at per 100 possession numbers. So um, that really takes out like a team's pace uh, when looking at these stats. So some teams may have inflated numbers just because they play faster offensively. Um, and this also allows us to compare more accurately to um, like history because there's obviously times where – NBA was significantly slower than it is today, uh, which inflates the stats of today. And, you know, even before that, you know, back in, I guess the sixties is probably the best way to probably the best way to talk about how fast paced it was. It was incredibly high scoring. The nineties was very, very low scoring. And now we're back up to very high scoring. So it allows us to more accurately compare those as opposed to just saying, Oh, they're scoring way more than they did than all these other nineties superstars. But it's really just because, like they play faster now. So should be a, a better comparison here. Um, and then, so I have it listed with a few notable stats of their per hundred possession numbers, and then comparing it to guys that have kind of qualified for those numbers or average those. Uh, there's some specifics within there that kind of alters it because some of these are, Hey, nobody's ever done this. Uh, some like ever in a season rookie or not. Some of this is only these handful of players have done this in any season. Some of this is no other rookie has. Um, Some of this is nobody else has done this, but this player doesn't qualify for minutes per game leaderboard. Um, So it's like not the most accurate description because they haven't just, they simply haven't been on the court as much or they're only on the court during garbage time. Some 
uh, or that's where the majority of their minutes have been. So um, this, as it is with most statistics or pretty much all statistics, there's a lot of context that can be added that can explain things. Um, and you can take numbers to justify or push an agenda. And yes, that is in a way what I'm going to be doing here, but I'm going to try my best to say, hey, like this is kind of why it says this. And this is kind of why the numbers are the way they are. Um, but for the most part, this is all very encouraging stuff to go for these rookies. And hopefully it all pans out. And it's not, hey, the numbers look good, but then this player just doesn't get better or doesn't ever play like this again, which happens from time to time. But we're going to be positive and encouraging here. So without further ado, we're going to look at Chet Holmgren, who per 100 possessions is averaging 27.6 points, 11.4 rebounds, 4 blocks. The only rookies that have averaged these numbers per 100 possessions are Shaquille O'Neal, Alonzo Mourning, David Robinson, and Victor Wembanyama. So everybody knew that it was going to be basically a two-man race from the beginning for Rookie of the Year. Uh, both guys have been spectacular in fantasy hoops, that being Chet and Wemby. But I think this really puts it into perspective just how good these guys have been um, from a fantasy perspective as well as just a general basketball perspective. Those rookies, now granted, um, guys like Wilt Chamberlain, guys like Bill Russell, the, those numbers aren't tracked. Um, is not included in this. Um, I guess... This, these stats are most like single season, uh, the most recent season, or I guess the oldest season. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, started tracking 1973, 1974. So doesn't go back to cover Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, but a lot of generational talents uh, playing center in the 90s, um, early 2000s. Uh, these are the only ones that have reached those numbers. So says a lot just about how good these both the guys have been. Um, obviously, the context with which Wemby and Chet are playing is very different. Chet is the mm, third scoring option, I guess, behind Jalen Williams and SGA, obviously, on a contending team in the West, whereas Wemby is the main scoring option on a um, bottom feeder that's very young and is very exciting, has a great future, um, but that's kind of where they're at. So it changes. So there's different context to be added there. Um, but averaging those numbers per hundred possessions, difficult to do, um, just shows how impressive both guys have been and should be considered. Let me, uh, as I'm saying this, I have my dynasty rankings right here. I have Chet. No, wait, hold on. Yes. Chet is eighth in my dynasty ranks and Wemby is one. So yeah, I mean, I'm, very comfortable with both of those. I have like, I bumped Chet up since the start of the season, uh, a handful of spots. I think I had him like 13 or 14 before the season started. Now he's at eight. Um, wouldn't be shocked if I bumped him up another spot, potentially to seven. If he, I feel he passes LaMelo ball, but we'll just see how the season plays out. But, but so I don't want to spend too much time on any of these slides. Cause I believe we have like 15 rookies to hit. So we're going to keep it pushing. Victor Wembanyama per 100 possessions is averaging 33 and a half points, 16 and a half rebounds and 5.2 blocks. Um the only time in NBA history that a player has averaged those numbers per 100 possessions um was one time Hakeem Olajuwon did it. That's it. And that Wemby's doing this as a rookie. Now this will help uh 
help his numbers. Obviously, it's a little inflated, and that's because he's only been playing like 24 minutes per game as of late. But, I mean, it's still just incredible. And, and granted, this isn't like, oh, look at these numbers. This is what he's going to do. Uh, this is more of just like making it an even playing field. 100 possessions uh, helps us to compare better, not because we're expecting Wemby to put up these numbers in a game consistently. However, uh, per teamrankings.com, the average, so their stats have the Pacers playing the most possessions per game at 106.4 and Denver playing 100.3. So this would be like similar to per 48 numbers, which granted, like this is not to say, hey, this is what this player is going to do, like I just said. So these are inflated numbers, but it it shows that nobody else has really ever done this, and he's doing this as a rookie, which is freaking incredible. He is arguably better than advertised, which uh, I think is pretty incredible to say because of how high the expectations were for him coming into this season. Um, yeah, not enough things I can say about Wemby. He's been spectacular, the best, most valuable dynasty asset in fantasy basketball. And he's only going to continue to get better. Um, It's going to be very exciting to watch for the next 15 years how his career unfolds. So if you have him in dynasty, do not let him go. If you're able to get him, pay the price, whatever it takes. Um, Yeah, cool. Brandon Miller, the number two overall pick in this last year's draft, has been playing really well recently. Last three games, he's averaging 24.7 points and 42.9% shooting, and has been shooting 49, 42.9% uh, from beyond the arc. Um, so per 100 possessions this season, he's averaging 23.8 points, 6.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 1.1 steals, 3.3 three-pointers per game. The only rookies that have averaged those numbers – per hundred possessions uh, were Luka Doncic, Anthony Edwards, Tyler Hero, Kobe White, and Bones Highland. Now, the reason it's a lot of younger guys is the threes. Like, obviously, you're shooting a lot more threes per possession or just per game um, in recent years than ever before. So that impacts that. But uh, being on a list that these five players who are incredible offensive talents like Luka Doncic obviously is one of the best players in the league. Anthony Edwards is up there as well. Tyler Hero, Kobe White, both incredible offensive players. Kobe White's been having a breakout season and Bowen Thailand has had issues staying on the floor through his first couple of years. Um, but in a lot of that is, I guess a few years, if you want to be technical and say it's his third year, but uh, none of that has to do with his offense. He's an incredible scorer. And a lot of that thing has to do with his defense. So, Uh, Good trajectory here for Brandon Miller. Uh, He's been playing incredibly well recently. And uh, as I said, we would mention it. uh, Terry Ozier got traded, which is going to open the door for even more Brandon Miller minutes and shots. Uh, There was also a report that they are not done making moves. So we could see more guys be traded, which would open up even more minutes, even more shots of Brandon Miller. I would say that the two, I guess, guaranteed I will say three players that I would absolutely guarantee 100%, no doubt, will be Charlotte Hornets after the trade deadline, LaMelo Ball, Brandon Miller, Mark Williams. 
not saying they're going to trade everybody else, but I could see everybody else being traded. Um, assuming that there's no trade restrictions there. Cause I don't know those numbers or facts off the top of my head. Um, but Brandon Miller's has been really, really good lately after, you know, not that he had a slow start to the year. Um, I feel like he looked good in stretches, but a poor summer league and he's been really good so far. So any negative thing that was kind of said about Brandon Miller, because Charlotte took scoot over him, uh, he's kind of, I guess, silenced to those negative comments and negative thoughts. Um, and I know I've said this on here before, but my connotation of him was like, it's kind of negative because I thought that scoot should have been the number two pick. And it's like, you just take scoot, you have him play alongside LaMelo and you make it freaking work. Um, but Brandon Miller has been awesome and Scoot Henderson hasn't been. So I don't know if we'll come back in five years and it'll be the same thing. And it'll be like, I can't believe people were actually saying Scoot Henderson should have been drafted over this guy. Clearly the better player. Or if we'll come back and say, Hey, they're both incredible. Like maybe we'll say Scoot was better, but Brandon Miller still awesome. We'll see the early returns are Brandon Miller better. So Shout out to Charlotte for making the good pick. I feel like also their poor draft history kind of lowers people's expectations, makes people think they're going to make the wrong move. Maybe that's just me, but um, we'll move on to Scoot, um, who is, and I don't want to look at the per hundred possessions because they're bad. Like nothing special about it. Scoot Henderson has been inefficient. He's been bad. But I wanted to give a, a bit of hope to anybody like that has him and has been really disappointed. Um, his assist percentage is 26.7, and his turnover percentage is 19.6. Um, and I looked this up earlier, um, and I think I have this wrong in the slide. It says players with a lower assist percentage and lower turnover percentage. But I believe that this was actually a lower assist percentage and higher turnover percentage is what it was like measured out to be. So let me double check this um, higher turnover percentage than 19.6 and lower turnover, lower assist percentage than 26.7. Um, yeah. Okay. So this, list still applies um rondo magic johnson drew holiday and zach levine are among the players there are other guys that aren't as good um or just not quite the notoriety i guess um there are some other like well-known players but these were just four that i picked out um just to kind of give hope to scoot henderson managers um these guys had less assists and more turnovers um, when measuring it out by the percentages uh, as a rookie than Scoot Henderson has had so far. And everybody knows just how bad uh, those numbers have been for Scoot. But for example, Magic Johnson at 25, a 25.2% assist percentage and 20.9% uh, percent turnover percentage. Rondo was 26.3 and 20.5. So it's similar, uh, just a little bit worse. Um, so, Players that struggled, I guess, with these numbers as rookies that still ended up being like Rondo and Magic Johnson are two of the best 
playmakers and passers that the league has ever seen. Um, and I say that with, I'm not saying they're both top five, like magic Johnson is a top five playmaker. Rondo I'd say is easily top 20 and I'd have to actually go through and make a list to say who has been a better passer and who hasn't. So as far as numbers, both those guys were spectacular. So it's not all over for scoot just because it's been a bad start. Uh, he's a rookie point guard that is going through growing pains and, I think what I've been kind of saying all season is that eventually it'll get better. Uh, and we've seen plenty of flashes of that. And I'm hoping that maybe they make some moves with the trade deadline to open up some minutes and they just kind of let him run the offense the last two months of the season. And we can really get an idea of what that's going to look like. And if it's still bad, then that's more concerning, but um, it's not all over just because, because these are their numbers are from the end of the season. So Scoot still has time to improve on these. Um, so we'll, uh, it, it's all good right now. <laughs> Scoot's still an elite, elite dynasty asset, and we will get there one day. I'm in Thompson, uh, per hundred possessions, uh, 18.6 points, 12.3 rebounds, 5.8 assists, 2.8 steals. Only DeJounte Murray has reached those numbers in a single season. Um, and the qualifier on this is that Amen Thompson is not, or does not qualify for the minutes per game leaderboard. Um, he just hasn't played enough. So these stats are look inflated because he's done well in short stints, um, which inflates these numbers a little bit. Uh, DeJounte is a hit that season. I believe it was a 2017, 2018 season, which would have been like uh, what, what draft was, it? I think he was the 2016 draft. So it would have been year two for him. Uh, there was a few other guys that had reached those numbers that weren't minutes per game qualifiers, but DeJounte is the only one that played legit minutes and reached those. So, I mean, I think both Thompson twins have been incredible in stints this season. Um, obviously, I think Ahmed Thompson not playing as much is a little bit more justified because Fred Van Vliet's in front of him and he was injured, whereas Asar Thompson has been uh, benched for guys like Alec Burks, which when you have like four wins on the season, just doesn't make sense to me, but whatever they, uh, whatever they want to do, that's cool. But um, both Thompson twins have been spectacular. We'll see what, what Ahmed Thompson's role looks like moving forward because Houston is going to be competing for a playing spot. So it's not like, like I could say pretty easily that the final few weeks, at least of the season, like Asar Thompson should play a lot more minutes. Um, but we'll see for Amen because they're not going to be pulling the plug on their season, barring multiple injuries. But even if those injuries happen, like Amen Thompson would still be able to run the offense a little bit more. So um, he's been awesome. And I think that as he is in the league longer, plays or start seeing his role increase, uh, I guess Fred Van Bleek gets older. He's going to be elite in fantasy basketball it's just a matter of time but it may be a couple of years um so if you're in the middle of a rebuild um and thompson really fits your timeline his brother asar uh, per 100 possessions 16.7 points 13.7 rebounds four assists 1.7 steals 1.9 blocks the only rookies that have reached those numbers are uh, chris weber rich kelly and victor Wembanyama. 
And I think when doing this exercise, I realized that a lot of these rookies, it's like either Victor Wembanyama is doing it right now or Luka Doncic did it when he was a rookie. I, th- I think that's kind of been a running theme. Um, but those guys are both awesome and had incredible rookie seasons. So it's not like a bad thing that they also did it or did it recently or doing it right now. Um, so in his limited role as of late, Sarah Thompson has still been able to put up very solid numbers um, and excited to see what he does as he plays more minutes. I think nobody's surprised by what these numbers look like in comparison to others because of how both Thompson's wins have been when they're on the floor as rookies. I think the uh, overtime elite question marks have been answered for me easily um, and were answered a while ago. So arguably during summer league was when they were kind of answered. So we'll uh, keep an eye on both of them because I think they're both going to be superstars in fantasy. It's been a, an excellent class, obviously top heavy uh, with Wemby being a generational prospect. But I think that there's a lot more depth than I initially expected. Um, so I'm excited to see how a lot of these guys pan out because they've all been awesome. Uh, Bilal Koulibaly. Per 100 possessions, 14.7, 7.5 rebounds, 3.2 assists, 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks, and 1.9 three-pointers. Two rookies have uh, reached those numbers per 100 possessions, Paul Pierce and Victor Wembanyama. He is, Koulibaly has been able to kind of contribute in a lot of different ways. Defense is his most notable attribute, I think. Uh, defensive playmaking, he's been able to do a lot of that. Also been able to knock down shots from deep, um, which is pretty encouraging. Um, Yeah, I think that another guy, I I know before the draft, Wemby was saying that he was a top, like Koulibaly was a top five guy, and obviously he was just hyping up his teammate. I don't think that even in a redraft, or maybe especially in a redraft, that you would take him top five, but he's still been awesome. Uh, One of the, arguably the most important future piece for the Wizards as of right now. Um, aside from maybe like their draft picks, um, because a lot of those guys are, I wouldn't say like part of their future, like Kyle Kuzma is not, Tyus Jones has been awesome, but he's not the point guard of the future. Jordan Poole has not helped his case, uh, this season. So yeah, uh is gonna continue to play a big role. I assume also down the stretch that after they've probably made some trades and after they have um kind of pulled the plug on their season, we'll get to take on a larger offensive role, but he's been able to be on the floor because of his defense all season. Um and hopefully he can get to a point where he's contributing threes, blocks, and steals consistently. Uh there's I know there's been more this year, but not many players are capable of averaging one steal, one block, and one three, but he certainly has that upside. Jairus Walker, uh, this is another one where he hasn't played enough minutes for him to really qualify for any leaderboards, Um, but nobody has ever averaged the numbers that he is averaging per 100 possessions. That's 21.7.9 rebounds, 5.7 assists, 2.5 steals, 1.4 blocks, and 3.43 pointers. He's been otherworldly uh, when you just look at the numbers in his limited time on the floor. And he's had some very solid games. I think he's been 
a larger part of the rotation lately. Um, Isaiah Jackson's been out. They've had a couple other injuries. I know uh, after they traded for Siakam before he made his debut, that was an opportunity for Jarris Walker to play a little bit more. They had a couple blowout losses. So he's a big part of their future. Obviously, now that they have Siakam, that kind of limits his short-term upside. Uh, but I think that's more them still just trying to compete because they have a really good team. Um, they have a, a team that's going to make noise in the playoffs. There's capable of making noise in the playoffs. Um, so we'll see how that pans out for them. I still think Jairus Walker within a few years is a guy that's like, you have to start him because he's going to be that good. So whether that includes him starting alongside Siakam, maybe they've traded miles Turner or they've, traded Siakam or Jairus Walker has been moved somewhere else uh, just because they have to make room in the starting lineup, which granted that may not happen because you can have depth. And if you have a guy playing really well in a rookie contract, that's totally fine. So Indiana has a nice luxury in their front court right now, um, which may not be great or ideal for fantasy basketball, but Jairus Walker is a guy that's going to be able to contribute in a number of ways um, eventually. So Hopefully we'll get to see him play more minutes. I think uh, there was rumors of them looking to move off Obi Toppin. We'll see if a deal actually gets done. Um, the other guy, I know Aaron Neesmith had been playing some power forward minutes. I know there's there's another power forward I think I'm forgetting about. So I'm going to pull up their roster real quick. Um, obviously Isaiah Jackson saw some minutes. Uh, Jalen Smith is the other guy I'm thinking of. So Jairus Walker is more valuable than any of those guys. They're, I would assume... Um, they prefer to prioritize his minutes once he is ready to take those on. Um, another rookie out in Dallas, Derek Lively, uh, per 100 possessions, 16.6 points, 14.8 rebounds, 1.1 steals, 2.6 blocks. Uh, 21 players have done that as a rookie, but Lively has the highest field goal percentage uh, out of all those. I believe it's like 74%. So playing alongside Luke and Kyrie gets you some easy looks. But he's still been an excellent rebounder and an excellent shot blocker and has been able to get some assists in there. Um, as I'm saying this, now that I'm thinking about this, there's other like you can look at this per 75 possessions, which would be closer to like a per 36 number, which granted, not many players even play 36 minutes, but I feel like that's kind of like the average starter, like big time starter is gonna see around 36 minutes. Uh although that is probably closer to like 33 actually. But um, the reason I didn't do that was because when I was translating these stats, the basketball reference page just had per hundred possessions on there and not per 75. And I didn't feel like actually going through and looking up. So it was lazy on my part. That's why the stats look inflated, but it would just be like a three fourths ratio taking out the 75 or per 75 possessions. So it doesn't change anything other than the numbers look prettier here. So we, uh, Maybe it'll hype everybody up and kind of have their expectations too high, which if it does, my bad. But I think uh, it it still translates the same. So Lively's been awesome. Uh, I saw a tweet earlier that there was teams contacting Dallas about Lively and they haven't been able to get anywhere. They're not interested in trading him, which I think that's almost like, duh. Like, why would they trade this guy they just drafted in the first round that has been playing really, really well? and is starting for their team and helping them be a playoff team. And it just doesn't make sense. Like, why would anybody even ask? I don't know. Weird, weird stuff. 
Um, a lot of times I feel like NBA teams don't make sense. Like not why wouldn't like every team should want Derek Lively. I think for the most part, every team should want him. Even if they already have a star center, having Lively as a backup is great. Uh, obviously the price wouldn't work out for that, but understandable why teams are interested. Doesn't make sense why you would act like, are you actually going to call Dallas and say, Hey, I want Luka Doncic. Well, duh, of course you do, but that's not going to happen. And I know the analogy breaks down because Lively's not as valuable as Luka. Teams can make an offer that Dallas would not be able to refuse, but as far as actual market, what's realistic to happen, um, a Lively trade doesn't make sense. Jordan Hawkins, he's had, uh, I think earlier in the season was his best stretch where he was seeing big minutes because they had a bunch of injuries, but per 100 possessions, 24 and a half points and five threes. No other rookie has ever averaged that. Um, we've seen him get hot. We've seen him be cold, um, but he's been hot more often than not. Uh, summer league was bad. Preseason was bad, but for some reason, NBA games come around and bang. He's a lethal shooter. Um, not trying to use the trademark there, but he's been phenomenal uh, when he's gotten the opportunity to. Uh, before I remember when they drafted him, I was like, yeah, out of all the lottery picks, he's the guy I'm least interested in for fantasy basketball. And looking back, back i don't think that holds true it's not far off uh because there were a lot of phenomenal players like i think i'd probably based on what he's done as as a rookie have him above jet howard and grady dick and those are probably the only two rookies that i would definitely definitely have have him above um as of now and now i'm i'm not gonna go look see where i had them ranked in dynasty but because that changes quickly, but he's been an awesome scorer, awesome shooter, uh, valuable piece for them moving forward. New Orleans has so many guys. It's It's been, I guess, kind of sucky that they haven't been able to all be healthy for a playoff run. Maybe that'll happen this year, but they have so much talent. They just can't seem to, I don't know, put it together, figure it out, however you want to say it. They're currently sixth in the West, but it feels like they have – like young talent, like more than enough young talent to be better than that. So I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll see how that goes moving forward. But Jordan Hawkins has been awesome. Uh, Keontae George per hundred possessions, 21 and a half points, 5.6 rebounds, 8.6 assists and 3.4 threes. Only Luka Doncic has averaged that as a rookie. And Keontae George had his fair share of field goal percentage issues, especially early on. But he also was able to give out plenty of dimes. I'd say he's their point guard of the future. I mean, if you're doing something that only Luca's done as a rookie, that's pretty impressive. And yeah, his, his role has been inconsistent. So it's kind of, it makes him a difficult player to roster in redraft leagues uh, because Colin Sexton has been awesome. Jordan Clark, Clarkson is obviously really good and coming off the bench. So I think. Dynasty asset Keontae George holds way more valuable or way more value than redraft asset Keontae George. Uh, another rookie, uh, the other one that was impacted by the trade, Jaime Jaquez, 23.6.4 rebounds, 4.4 assists, 1.8 steals, and 1.73s per 100 possessions. The rookies that have averaged those numbers uh, per 100 possessions, Kyrie Irving, Steve Francis, LaMelo Ball, Kemba Walker, Walt Williams, and Cade Cunningham. I think the main guys to look at there, I mean, I'm not a uh, very knowledgeable on Walt Williams and his career, but 
seeing things that Kyrie, Cade, LaMelo, Kemba Walker, and even Steve Francis did as rookies. Um, I think for a guy, now I don't know the, if that's the case for Steve Francis or Walt Williams, but I know Cade and Kyrie came out as freshmen. LaMelo was obviously not playing in college, uh, but came out as like the same age as a freshman. I believe Kemba Walker spent all four years at um, UConn. So another older rookie. Um, obviously, a lot of these guys are point guards. I think Actually, I don't know Walt Williams' position even, but the rest of them are point guards. And to see a wing do this as a rookie, it's very impressive. Um, I wasn't very high on him pre-draft, but I think he's a guy that is going to help, I guess, me grow as an evaluator because – I think he made sense for the heat. And I think that was kind of the thing before the draft was, Hey, he fits heat culture, but from a fantasy perspective, I was like, okay, like what's his upside? Like I see it there because the heat, I think uh, their last two first round picks they've made before Hakez were ban and Tyler hero. And before that it was just as Winslow. Like they've only made a handful of first round picks in the past decade. And they generally hit. So for me, between that and just like fitting the team, I was like, okay, like cool. This guy's a rotational piece, like pretty early on. But that's about it. I know I didn't see, but I didn't see him having like a lot of upside. But I think he's a guy that even if he doesn't get dramatically better and develops into a superstar, like he is a starting caliber player in the NBA and will be for a long time. So comparing those numbers to some of those guys and what they did as rookies, like even if he gets like a little bit better, it doesn't have like this dramatic upside. I just, he doesn't fit the mold of like a, a high upside guy, but he's going to continue to be really good uh, throughout his career. And comparing those numbers, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, Brandon Pajemski in per hundred possessions, 18.3 points, 10.9 rebounds, six and a half assists, 1.8 seals and 2.6 three pointers per game. Uh, this is not rookies here. This is anybody that's ever reached those numbers. Russell Westbrook one time, Luka Doncic twice, DeMarcus Cousins twice, Antoine Walker once, and Scotty Barnes once. Um, he's in an interesting situation on a Warriors team that wants to win, but also has all these young guys that they're trying to figure out. And they just don't seem to really have a direction. Like, granted, you could say that their rebuild would have I guess they're mini rebuild under their win now team, like kind of basically having a feeder squad. Uh, if they would have dropped drafted Lamelo Ball instead of James Wiseman and Franz Wagner instead of Moses Moody and Alperin Shangun instead of or no Franz Wagner instead of Kaminga and Alperin Shangun instead of Moses Moody, like yeah, they would have another superstar team right below them. Like those were just draft misses. So I don't think that the the, the experiment I think more didn't work because they weren't able to. I guess give those players the necessary minutes, but I think if it also would have just worked out better if they had the other guys that were better. But but Jemski's been a really good pick um, as a rookie that they got. What was he picked nineteen? Yeah, nineteen, right after Jaime Hawkes and Jalen Hunchavino, which I'm sure Lakers friends Lakers fans are thrilled about. But he's been awesome as a rookie. Um, He's a rotational piece for them. They're still dealing with injuries to Moses Moody, uh, 
Gary Payton. Chris Paul is still out, right? I'm not I feel like my uh my mind is mush and I can't remember exactly how long he has been out. Or now I'm gonna pull this up just to make sure I'm not going crazy. Reevaluate in three weeks, two weeks ago. Yes, he's still out. So a lot of that has helped him Pajemski be on the floor more. But I think he's good enough that even with everybody healthy, he should be on the floor. So we'll see how that goes moving forward because I think the rest of the season, especially if they're uh, trying to fight for a play-in spot, they'll probably give Chris Paul more minutes. They'll probably give Gary Payton uh, more minutes, but Pajemski still has to be part of the rotation. But I think like come next season, like is Chris Paul retired? Is he still playing? Is he still in golden state? Like there will be minutes for Pajemski. So not too worried about the situation long-term though short-term it limits him. Kim Whitmore, um, I think is our second to last rookie that we're going to talk about. Yeah. So obviously his uh, situation is like Ahmed Thompson, but even less minutes. Um, so he doesn't qualify for the min- any minutes per game leaderboard either. But per 100 possessions, 29.1 points, 9.9 rebounds, and four threes. Nobody that's qualified for minutes per game has averaged those numbers as a rookie. Um, perhaps as he plays more and plays against starters more, those numbers will dip. But I think that kind of adds the context to that situation of, hey, he hasn't really been playing about against starters a ton. Um, when he did the other night, he really struggled. Like these are inflated numbers, but it kind of gives hope because he's still a young guy that can develop. Like he can be an elite scorer and shooter and the rebounding has been great. So Get Houston getting him at 20 is pretty insane. So again, I feel like I say that like every podcast. Um, but yeah, he's going to continue to be or continue to develop, in my opinion, uh, be a really good scorer. We'll see how much else he can do, but I don't like I don't see why he can't be a really good scorer. I think it'll be more about efficiency for him and seeing how that develops over time. And the last guy is another um, Golden State rookie. Um, with Trace Jackson Davis, who per 100 possessions um, is averaging 23.5 points, 14.4 rebounds, 1.2 steals, and 2.8 blocks. The only rookies that have qualified for the minutes per game um, and averaged those numbers are David Robinson, Anthony Davis, Akeem Olajuwon, Zadrunas Ilgoskis, uh, Ralph Sampson, Victor Wembanyama, and Sean Kemp. Kemp, excuse me. Um, the so Trace Jackson Davis doesn't qualify for the minutes per game leaderboard. We've seen him in small stints. We've seen his role be inconsistent, uh, but he's been really good from a fantasy perspective. And a guy that was drafted in the late second round, which again didn't make much sense. He's an older rookie, but I thought his numbers were good enough to earn him like an early second round pick at least. I think that if it would have been like, you could even justify like a late first round pick just because those teams are ready to win. And he's a win now player because he is or win now rookie. Cause he's an older rookie that had just put up insane numbers in college. Now he's going, he's playing the NBA and he's not necessarily doing the same thing, but he's had a handful of just monster games. So a lot of upside for him there. Uh, and being in Golden State without like a true center of the future, 
Uh, like Kevon Looney's been awesome and been awesome for years, but he's not like, a, oh, there's a better center come along. Well, we have Kevon Looney, like we're building around him or we're set at center. Like Trace Jackson Davis could take that job um, eventually and has already kind of done so at times, not consistently taking the job, but been the starting center um, at times, even when Kevon Looney played. So, Excited to see uh, how he continues to develop in Golden State. Um, I feel like I've said that about everybody. Excited to see how they continue to develop. But it's true. I like watching these players grow and get better. I think I was having this thought the other day because Hawks fan, the Hawks stick. Um, and I was thinking, I was like, what was the good old days? Like, obviously, like the Eastern Conference Finals run, uh, which you can call it a fluke. I wouldn't necessarily – I would get more technical with that because it's – a fluke implies that they like lucked into it and they benefited from, I think situations, but they also just played really well and everybody played out of their minds uh, from that team. But anyways, um, not something that I think was going to be repeated. And that was their error. And I think that was pretty clear is that they made the Eastern conference finals. Trey got hurt and they thought, well, maybe if we were healthy, we would have won the whole thing. We don't need to make any moves. And that was the start of their downfall. And I was thinking like, yes, that was an incredible run. But also I think that, the most fun time was like a year, I think the year before that, where um, it was uh, Trey Young was in year three. Junk, no, Trey Young was in year two. Trey Young was in year two, yes. Um, playing incredible all star starter, John Collins, year three, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter as rookies, just like not a good team which meant like it was more exciting to watch like the young guys play incredibly well and just like have big games from time to time. Um, here, I'm going to uh, take that off. But so like when Cam Reddish had like a big game, I was like, Oh my gosh, like Paul George is right here in Atlanta. Like we have Cam Reddish. He is Paul George. I, I was doing all these player comps and it was just not worried about who won or lost the game as much. Cause we were a bad team and, probably going to lose more often than not, but it was fun to see like players show these glimpses and flashes. Well, yes, yeah, so I can still get that with the Hawks, uh, especially with what Jalen Johnson has done this year and been awesome, but I like doing it around the league and seeing these guys have uh, games from time to time where it's like you see the growth. I think that's so much fun um, and probably the most fun that the regular season gets aside from uh, obviously if Joel Embiid is dropping 70 and Carlton Towns is having 62 on the same night, uh, that Kevin Durant scores 40 something and hits a double pump game winning mid range, like fun night in the NBA regular season's fun then. But I think watching these players develop and show little flashes is a lot of fun as well. Also, I know I mentioned that I got some of these numbers from basketball reference. I also used stat head, um, which is their, I guess I don't even know how I would qualify it, but their stat system uh, to help, compare seasons and look up seasons. So I was able to do easily uh, plug in like stats from a specific player. Like I did with all these guys say, Hey, these were their numbers. Show me everybody who's done this or better as a rookie. And you can get really specific with it, which is a lot of fun. Um, makes comparing players easy, uh, at least by the numbers. And you can get very into some very advanced stats. So uh, shout out to them. Um, I just got their, uh, service. I just got that a couple days ago. So I was excited to use it, but, um, 
that's going to do it for this episode of the Tank Me Later podcast. You can follow um, me on Twitter or X at NoRuben22. Follow Fantasy Basketball International at FBI Basketball. Uh, like, subscribe, comment, rate, whatever you want to do. Um, will help us out a ton. Um, and I will be back next week for another episode, uh, which I don't know what's going to happen yet, but uh, should be more fun. But thank you so much for listening. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.